Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. Really glad to have you with me uh, today on the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. And our theme today is a very large one uh, and one I'm very excited about because it really does bring together uh, the best of, I think, our contribution to leadership formation and discipleship, which is the intersection of integrating emotional health and all of that involves and the integration of a slow down contemplative spirituality. And it's the two together that unleashes great power for transformation in our leadership and our following of Jesus. So today is a part two of the five marks of a godly, highly differentiated leader. Such a large topic. I've really enjoyed preparing for this and working on each of the five marks. So it's a lot. And it caused me to do a lot of reflection on my journey of leadership. And uh, so last week, we or last podcast, we talked about uh, in part one, uh, a couple of highly differentiated leaders like John the Baptist, uh, who was very clear about who he was and who he wasn't. Uh, he was able to remain connected to people, yet not allow his reaction or behavior to be determined by them, which is a great working definition of differentiation. The same goes for Jesus. Jesus remained connected to people, yet did not allow his reactions or behaviors to be determined by them. And the reason this is so important, because all of us, we're, we're part of living systems. Uh, we're, in a sense, we're wired together. We're emotionally connected with other human beings in systems, whether that system may be a family or a workplace or a ministry or a church, much like the human body, which Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. And so differentiation is the ability to stay connected to the system that you're a part of, or the different systems. We're all part of different systems, families, churches, or ministries, uh, even neighborhoods. But everyone's a leader. Uh, everyone has influence. But this podcast is specifically called the Emotionally Healthy Leader because most of you listening are actually in positions of leadership in a ministry or a church setting, much like Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Or maybe you're at a parachurch or a nonprofit serving around the world. Uh, or a few of you, I know, you, you email me, you're in the marketplace. And you're, in a sense, you're pastoring, you're leading uh, those who work for you or with you for Christ. So the world and Jesus' church desperately needs godly, highly differentiated leaders in these days, uh, especially in these turbulent times in which we're living. And one of my prayers and hopes is that uh, the fruits of our work and here in the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast is to give you the courage uh, and some practical help to slow down and do this hard work of differentiation. So. Uh, a great example, before I launch into this, of, of a lowly differentiated leader uh, uh, who leaves other people in a congregation or, or around them without leadership is the example of Aaron in Exodus chapter 32. It's the time when Moses has gone up to be in the mountaintop with God for 40 days. The people grow impatient uh, because they don't know where Moses is. And so Aaron is the leader. Uh, and so as the people pressure him, because they don't know where Moses is, uh, Aaron basically follows the crowd uh, rather than give strong, differentiated, godly leadership. And uh, if you know the story in Exodus 32, uh, he says, you know, give me your jewelry. He throws it in the fire and out comes a golden calf. And the people start worshiping the golden calf and all kinds of idolatry and revelry and immorality. People are going wild. 
but as an example of a consequence of low differentiation where Aaron does not lead uh, in the name of collaboration or cooperation with others, uh, he basically wimps out. And so it's not until Moses comes down from the mountain and actually provides some godly, highly differentiated leadership. Uh, and he, you know, he calls the crowd to uh, order in the name of Jesus or name of God and uh, brings leadership. But when we're lowly differentiated, a few of the costs uh, are this. And I'm going to list you a few of the costs to give you a picture of what happens. Our, our ministry, the, the maturity level of our ministry and its long-term impact is severely diminished. Uh, we're just unable to accomplish the mission that God has actually invited us to do. The community is damaged because there's a lack of clarity about expectations and roles, and, and there's not honesty and respect. Wrong people end up exercising power and leadership. Uh, uh, unhealthy people end up rising to positions of authority. And actually, we actually, when we're lowly differentiated, we actually perpetuate immaturity because people are not forced to face themselves uh, in order to mature and grow up. Uh, we end up ourselves living in a lot of inner uh, not dis-ease um, because we're we're not living the life that God's given us to live, and we're living somebody else's life, and it's it just leads to a lot of inner conflict within ourselves. The very integrity of the ministry is compromised because. You know, the name of Jesus is diminished and tarnished. We waste a lot of time, energy, and money of God's people. Uh, bad stewardship results. And we actually increase the anxiety in the system. Uh, we don't diminish it because anxiety in a system uh, rubs off on people and is transmitted and absorbed without people even thinking about it, whether it be a family, a team, a church, an organization. And, and the whole atmosphere becomes very heavy and intense uh, in a community, there's a lot less play and laughter. In fact, a great measurement for uh, an anxious environment is there's not a lot of laughter and play. So this work of growing into a godly, highly differentiated leader, um, it's hard. But let me just say this. It's much harder not to do it. Uh, and um, I've never found it easy. But the fruit has always been very rich. Now, there's two extremes of leaders. On one extreme, you've got narcissists. Uh, these are the ones who get lots of publicity, often build big ministries, uh, and often crash as well. But I know that's, I doubt it's hardly any of you listening, if any of you listening to this podcast. Uh, probably on the other side of the spectrum or uh, pole are folks like me who we don't lead. We wimp out. We've got a gift of leadership. We even have a position of leadership, but we... We struggle to lead. We, we, we end up being lowly differentiated, and it ends up producing a lot of chaos around us. And my prayer and my hope is that you'll lead with authority like Jesus. And when Jesus preached and taught and led in, in Mark 1, for example, I say, Where you, who is this that teaches with such authority? But our authority will come from a deep place in Jesus, meek, humble, uh, and centered much like Jesus. That's my prayer and hope as we do this podcast today of growing into a godly, highly differentiated leader. So before I launch into um, the final three points, and I'll review the first two, um, listen, my hope is to move you beyond inspiration to actually get on the journey of growing and maturing into a highly differentiated leader for Christ. And uh, so let me just encourage you with two free resources to, to get you moving on the journey after this podcast. One is 
to take our personal assessment, perhaps if you've never taken it, am I an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult? Uh, and to do a little 15 minute inventory of where you are, and then we'll get you on your journey. Just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. And the second is because this whole issue of differentiation and growing into a person uh, who's more godly and more highly differentiated requires really slowing down your life. And so the first step for that is Sabbath. Uh, on a weekly basis, taking a 24-hour period to practice Sabbath delights. So we have a free ebook that will help you get started on that uh, at emotionallyhealthy.org slash Sabbath. So that's emotionallyhealthy.org slash Sabbath. Check that out um, and to help you get started. With that, let me just review. Last week, I mentioned the first two qualities uh, or keys to growing into a godly, highly differentiated leader. The first was that we're clear thinkers, self-controlled, and not reactive. Or one is a godly, highly differentiated leader, is a clear thinker, self-controlled, and not reactive. And I actually, I took you to 1 Timothy chapter 3, when Paul lays out the qualifications of an uh, overseer or a leader uh, in God's church. And I mentioned in particular three key words that he uses, actually in that list, and he uses them later in Titus, uh, that uh, were clear thinkers. That is that we have self-control and we're able to make decisions calmly. That's one Greek word, often translated clear thinkers. The second is another Greek word right after it. It's called self-controlled, often translated to that. And that is the, the word for prudence or thoughtful. Uh, we're not reactive. The third word he uses right after that is the word for respectable or dignified. And that is a person not controlled by emotions along, alone. And then he mentions not being quarrelsome, quarrelsome but gentle. And then, he, of course, he mentions to be a person who's a leader must be spiritually mature, not a recent convert. Um, it's often similar to his, his test for to be a deacon. One must first be tested. In other words, a godly, highly differentiated leader is spiritually mature. Um, that's why this is, this is really challenging. It requires growing up. So, again, the key to leadership is, is not how a leader manages actually other people, but how a leader manages himself or herself. So... Uh, that's number one, a godly differentiated leader is a clear thinker. Number two, we mentioned last week that a highly, a godly, highly differentiated leader, number two, is clear on their values, goals, and direction. Uh, unlike Aaron, they're not getting it from other people. They get it from God, from within, and then move outward. Their self is not a reflected self, but their true self in Christ. Today, let's launch into number three, which is a godly, highly differentiated leader does not split idealize or fall into self-hate or self-loathing. Say it again, it's a big one, right? A godly differentiated leader does not split, idealize, or fall into self-hate or self-loathing. Every human being has strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I may be competent in one setting, but not in another. And a highly, a godly leader, we, we, we integrate our opposites. In other words, we're both saints uh, and we're sinners at the same time. That's the theological category. Now, let me break that down even more specifically for you. So I, 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 one key to high differentiation is the ability to not split who I am. So in other words, I'm both a saint and a sinner. They're both true. I hold these opposites together. I'm, both, I'm, I'm often right, but I'm sometimes wrong. I hold those opposites together. I can be vulnerable and open. At the same time, I can be defensive. I am strong. At times, I can be weak other times. I can be secure in some settings and insecure in others. I can be competent 
in some settings and incompetent and make mistakes in others. I can be caring and warm. I can be distant. Uh, I can be smart in some about some things and dumb in others. Both are true. I can be loving uh, and not loving in, uh, in other situations. I can be uh, I can love myself uh, and treat myself well. I can be self-rejecting of myself. They're, they're both true. I can be trustworthy. Um, I can be untrustworthy sometimes. I can be a hard worker. At the same time, I can be lazy in other settings. I can be confident and self-assured. I, I can also be scared in other settings. I, I can be dependable. Um, I can be irresponsible. Uh, both are true at different times. I, I can be decisive sometimes. I, I can be indecisive. I can be open and teachable. I can also be rigid and closed. And in other words, grace enables me to embrace the fact that I'm a human being. And I am both a sinner and a saint. I, I, I can be honest about my whole self, saint and sinner. And what a splitting, when I talk about a, a, a godly differentiated leader doesn't split means... It's not all or nothing. I'm not only a saint or only a sinner. Uh, it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm both. I hold these things together. I'm mixed. I'm smart. I'm sometimes dumb. It's a dynamic. And so I don't, only, I don't only see my strengths or I don't only see my weaknesses. I see both. I was with a leader recently and, and uh, a really, you know, I consider a very godly and a strong leader and a good leader. But he made a couple of mistakes and, and, uh, he just went into a, a, a hole of self-loathing and, uh, you know, basically saying to himself, I, I shouldn't even be a pastor. Somebody else should do this job. And I talked to him about splitting and this very truth of the gospel that we don't go down a hole and say, I'm all bad. I got to get out of this position. I embrace the fact that I'm really good at some things uh, and I'm right often, but I also make mistakes. I'm flawed and I'm a human being. And the gospel gives me a framework uh, to embrace my humanity. It also gives me the grace not to hide from being human. So putting on your true self is to embrace all your parts and not split. So what that means for some of us is to embrace our weaknesses, much like Paul says, I lead out of my weakness. And we see him in, in his life, at the end of his life, coming to a place saying, I'm the worst of all sinners. And so if I don't embrace um, the sinner part of me and admit that to myself, I end up building, building walls so other people don't see them either. This can be very lonely. Um, was, how, can, how can people get to know you if you don't know you? Uh, how can you be intimate and know me if I don't know myself? And so if there's per certain parts of my humanity that I'm uncomfortable with, and you know, when I was reading that saint-sinner list, um, if you're uncomfortable with recognizing the fact that, oh, that sinner part all applies to me, uh, then if someone brings that up to you, uh, you are going to say, you're going to be very uncomfortable with that, and maybe you'll throw it back in their face. Or if, you, if someone criticizes me, uh, I'll react with anger because I can't accept the fact that I make mistakes or I've got some flaws here. So this enables me to not get defensive. Uh, and I agree with Paul in Romans 7 that, uh, you know, at the same part, I'm all this glorious stuff in the gospel in Romans. At the same time, Romans 7, 14 to 21 is also true. In me dwells no good thing. But for others of us, you know, our challenge is to embrace the saintly parts of ourselves, that we're sons and daughters of the living God. And so what that looks like very practically is, for example, even the way you look at your, your parents, maybe they'd be alive or not alive, but you don't split that your parents had good qualities and, and negative qualities. So you, you approach it with a bit of humility and you don't fuse with other leaders or idealize them uh, as if they don't have flaws. I mean, every leader, and this is 
This took me a while to learn this. Every gifted leader that tends to have a, a, a large platform or be well-known, we tend to idealize them. That's splitting versus recognizing, yes, I'm, I'm observing their strengths. You're hearing my strengths right now on this podcast. So you might say, oh, Pete, he's amazing. Now, Pete's a sinner just like you. And uh, so we don't want to idealize anybody, recognizing everyone's got a shadow. Uh, because what happens when you idealize people and you find out they're not what you thought, then you want to crucify them. And we don't project onto people that they're perfect, they're super anointed. We don't project onto any ministry that it's got it all together because every ministry can look amazing on the outside, but every ministry is just like your ministry. And just like your leadership, it's full of broken people, sinners in Nineveh. So I don't scapegoat, I don't blame people. Oh, the reason their ministry is so large or doing so much better than mine is because of where they're located, or because they've got a lot of money and, and uh, that's splitting. Um, or everyone's got to agree with me. Um, versus I can listen to people's point of view and learn from them. And, 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 I, and I get rid of this perfectionism that is, is, is really the shadow side of excellence. Uh, many of us live with this, in ex, this, not an external pharaoh or slave driver, but an internal slave driver. And we don't accept the flaws and blemishes in our own self. So listen, take a deep breath, all right? It's okay to make mistakes. We do the best we can. But it just simply says that you're human, like everybody else. And so when I'm wrong, it's a wonderful opportunity to learn something new. It's very freeing, actually. I don't have to be right all the time. And I thank God I get to be a creature, a created being, and I don't have to be God. So saturate your time with your, your time with God as you wrestle with not splitting or idealizing or falling into self-hate by saturating yourself with the gospel uh, and God's positive attribution to you. I mean, you're I live in, yes, Psalm 51 of confession. I integrate my opposites. I, I do live in confession and repentance. At the same time, I live in Psalm 139, that I'm uh, wonderfully made. Um, God's thoughts of me are like the sand on the seashore. I live in Romans 8, that nothing shall separate me from the love of God, who from the foundations of the universe uh, loved me and loves me, always will love me. And nothing can separate me from that. So I live in both and. All right, let's move on to number three. This is a lot, isn't it? All right, number three, third mark of a godly, highly differentiated leader is I allow others to grow up and I don't overfunction. A godly, number three is a godly, or number four, I'm sorry, a godly, highly differentiated leader allows others to grow up and does not overfunction. Now, overfunction very simply is doing for others what they can and should do for themselves. I know this well. Now, I learned this from my wife, Jerry. It happened in stages for me in 1996 when Jerry quit uh, cooperating with my, uh, she was overfunctioning, so I could overfunction in the church, and I was underfunctioning at home. And uh, she quit overfunctioning uh, in our marriage and home and it forced me to confront myself uh, in a number of areas. And then I began to grow and got me on this journey of emotional healthy discipleship. I began to grow in my differentiation, and uh, I quit overfunctioning as a pastor. I was doing a job of three to four people, and it, that kind of it just continued to blossom o- over those years. And it took me another five, six years to to actually take on the executive parts of leadership um, and move and and not underfunction in those areas. Uh, and uh, actually, the emotionally healthy leader book came out of that, and I dove into. Uh, things like budgets and strategic planning. It was very hard, very powerful. It was real work of differentiation for me. And I changed the system that we were working in. But for me, and for most of us, 
you know, over-functioning is second nature. It's kind of in our bloodstream. It's in our culture, in our family. In fact, we get rewarded as pastors and leaders for over-functioning. Uh, we're actually in a helping profession. Um, but I over-functioned. I, I, I got a list here. I just started listing all the over-functioning I did, whether it was buying our building, which was a $6.5 million project. I, I carried it. It almost killed me. And there it was. In, in the, uh, uh, on the side was a guy in our church, fully capable. He finally took charge when I was collapsing. And, uh, oh my goodness, uh, but I overfunctioned needlessly for that for a long time. Uh, I preached too much, too much. I didn't move to a preaching team, uh, until probably 15 years into my pastoring. And, uh, I thought people quote needed me to preach. And I found out that no, people needed to hear other voices and God had other things he wanted me to focus on with some of my time. And as I let go of that the church actually did better. I overfunctioned in striving to build the church. Uh, yeah, I had a piece in building God's church, but uh, it's the Lord who builds it, Psalm 127.1. And I overpastored people sometimes. I overfunctioned in that. I, I took John 21 of being a shepherd to an extreme, and that, of course, came out of my genogram. I was much, you know, I, I've had moments like Moses in Numbers chapter 11 when he, he gets so fed up. People are complaining to him. And imagine all two and a half million, three million people are wailing to him, complaining, and he's exhausted. And he, his example of an overfunctioner in Numbers 11, he says, God, what have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? I get that. Did I give them birth? I can't carry these people by myself. And he says, if this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. Oh my gosh, I love that. I, I've had moments like, God, just put me to death. This is so painful carrying the weight of this thing. It's a good indication that to oil light in the car saying, you're overfunctioning. Because I'm, I'm doing for others what they can and should do for themselves. And God intervenes, delivers Moses. But you see, when we overfunction, we again, we perpetuate immaturity. Uh, and that caused me to make some major leadership moves um, of getting people into a rule of life and learning daily offices. And actually, the whole EH discipleship course, part one and two, is all about moving people to take responsibility for their spirituality as they're part of a community and not just lean on leadership. Um, I, I, you know, I, I perpetuated immaturity by not giving people honest feedback and evaluations. I didn't confront people clearly. I, I love what Ed Friedman, the author in his book, Generation to Generation says, he goes, when one overfunctions in another space, it causes disintegration of their being. And I learned that that's true. I didn't do anybody any favors. Listen, if you're working harder at mentoring or pastoring or supervising someone than they are, there's going to be no change. We don't just delegate responsibility. We actually delegate anxiety. And when we overfunction, we we compromise God's unique call for our lives. Our own spiritual life gets eroded. And the community is actually, again, it's damaged. But let's move on to the fifth quality of a godly, highly differentiated leader. And it's simply this. He or she is a non-anxious presence. He or she is a non-anxious presence presence. Think of electricity, uh, and Ed Friedman, again, in his book, uh, Failure of Nerve or Generation to Generation, I highly recommend those books to you. Uh, he says every emotional system has some level of chronic anxiety, and he compares it to electricity flowing through wires that connect people in a system. And that uh, this, this anxiety he talks about is transmitted and absorbed without thinking, whether it's a family, a team, a church, or organization. And leaders are non, a non-anxious present that becomes circuit breakers. Or if you know much about how electricity is 
you've seen those big transformative transformers. We lower the voltage of the environment. Uh, and so being a non-anxious present, boy, this is, this is challenging. Uh, uh, you know, in my early days, when I was faced with challenges, I would just, I would get anxious and I would flee to my strengths and I would avoid what was in front of me. So I would do vision casting, I would do preaching and teaching, I would go to things I was really good at, but it really was all about anxiety. Or when, when someone on our board, for example, or a, a fellow, a coworker might say something that triggered me uh, or, or critique me perhaps, uh, which happens, or give me input, uh, I would get triggered. And so I would get defensive. Uh, I, I, I couldn't be non-anxious, they will tell me more. Uh, and even when I would say something difficult to a volunteer or someone who worked for me, uh, I would, start off pretty good, but then I would be get anxious because I would be concerned I was hurting them, and then I would praise them for double the time that I might have said something difficult. Or if I was leading a meeting uh, that someone I knew in the room didn't like the agenda, they wanted to do something different, uh, I would get anxious and I might change the direction I was going just to make them happy. Or even leading through change and transition, I would get anxious, you know, and uh, I, I would, you know, I, I, would, I would compromise it. I, I would, I, I didn't want to, get people upset with me. And so I, I sometimes couldn't hold the system's anxiety and would compromise, actually bring good leadership. I'd make quick decisions sometimes. And one of, the, one of the marks of a lowly differentiated person is they want a quick fix. I went for a lot of quick fixes, whether it was a quick hire out of an anxious moment or launch a new program because I got to get this thing fixed and uh, you know, move everybody to full spiritual warfare you know, right now. Uh, but really it was coming out of anxiety. Uh, and so a godly, highly differentiated leader is a non-anxious presence. So what that means is we, we've got the ability to, to develop kind of like a pause button for myself and, and for the system. So whether it's we're in a board meeting and we're uh, talking about a, a challenging decision, a big decision to make, and we're just kind of stuck, you know, it's, and there's anxiety in the room and the ability to say, let's, let's wait on this till next month's board meeting. Let's pray about it. Let's bring it before God. Uh, and let's just wait on him. Let's pause till we all get into a centered place and get a clear sense of God's direction for us. But this is why a slow down spirituality is so critical and the, the importance of developing silence and stillness and a contemplative life with God and, your, and that we can be present with ourselves and what's going on in our bodies and present with God and then present with what's happening around us. Listen, I, I you know, I, I, one, of the, one of the qualities of the rule of life we develop for our team, and still to this day, is you're going to spend a day or a half day alone with God every month as part of your work. I'm speaking to vocational uh, leaders right now, that you have the space to do that. I would say that once a month, you need a whole day just to be uh, reflective, just to be still before the Lord uh, in a day of prayer. Uh, that's why I think sabbaticals are so important. Uh, every seven, eight years. I've seen it because it gets us out of the anxious system to be able to bring some leadership when we return. The issue is, what do I do when I'm anxious? What do you do when you're anxious? What do you do when you feel flooded, when you feel like you're going to explode? Can you slow down and be thoughtful and intentional? So I talk to myself that, uh, you know, I talk to God, I talk to myself, to take some deep breaths to self-confront, self-regulate, get self-reflective, be self-aware. Because I want to embrace that good pain that I'm in that's good. good pain gets you to your destiny. Bad pain just keeps you from it. But that's good pain when it's coming your way. And you want to embrace it. Uh, 
and let God lead you through it. Again, that's the whole reason uh, for emotional health, discipleship. I believe our contribution and gift to the larger church um, is a pathway to actually slow your life down uh, to embrace the crucible and differentiation, growing in differentiation is painful. It's a crucible, it's a heat, it's a fire, but it, it, it strips us of the impurities and the falseness in ourselves, the imposter stuff in ourselves and frees us to be the true men and women God's called us to be. So we can bring what's so needed in the church and the world today, which is godly differentiated leadership. And again, when I read 1 Timothy 3 and I look at Paul's qualities of an of an overseer or a leader, my goodness, he's talking about a godly, highly differentiated leader. So in summary this, and I'll quote Ed Friedman one last time, he says this, the fact that chronically anxious families lack well-differentiated leadership is absolutely universal. I have never known an exception to this rule. And I would argue, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna fill in a different word here because it applies to be true. The fact that chronically anxious ministries lack well-differentiated leadership is absolutely universal. I have never known an exception to that rule. And that in my decades of leadership, I have never known an exception either. So my prayer, my hope for you is that you will allow God to take you on this journey to mature into a godly, highly differentiated leader for your sake, for the world's sake, for those around you's sake, and for the name of Jesus. So uh, again, let me invite you to get, if you're, if you're just listening to this, you're getting started on the journey with uh, what is Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, check out emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature, which will give you a little inventory about where are you right now? What's your starting point? And then that'll help you get started. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. And my emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult and then or perhaps just getting started on Sabbath, taking one day a week to fully slow down and check out this short uh, Sabbath book at emotionallyhealthy.org slash Sabbath and discover Sabbath delight. Oh, I, what a great topic. Thank you so much for being with me today. I pray the good hand of God is on you and that some of the seeds uh, that have been planted through this podcast may find good soil inside of you and grow to be 30, 60, a hundredfold out of your life to the world. Blessings to you. Have a great day. 